Good evening. Hey, so I want to give you a report about our mission and then teach you from the book of Psalms tonight. And uh, my, brought my beautiful wife here, Bethany's with me. And, um, and so, we, you know, we've been coming here to this church since the very beginning. You know, I, I remember when this church was a Bible study in a, in a house back in 2001, you know. And so I've been coming out to this church for over 20 years. And this church helped send me to India. We, we went to India um, in 2006. I was still single. I came back double, you know. I went to India single and I came back double. So 2006, we went to India. And then I met, Bethany came to India. I met her over there. So God was the matchmaker. And so we've been planting churches. So you all been supporting us. And you've all been praying for us. We've been living in, in Bombay, India. And they call the city called Mumbai. And we've been there for 11 years. And every six months we have to renew our visa. So we have to go out of India and then come back. So the summer we always come to America. But in the winter months we always go to Cambodia and to Nepal. And we visit that Pastor Rajan who had visited here who has that ministry in Kathmandu and his whole family orphans. So we get to visit a lot of different mission fields in Asia. You know, we get to see how the people are living over there. And we we help Pastor Ganesh plant churches in the slums of Bombay, India. And we helped him plant three churches. And those three churches are still going. But then this last couple of years, we planted two more churches. So we have five churches um, in the slums on the north part of Bombay, India. And, you know, when you plant a church in a slum and you have a city of 20 million people in one big city, it feels very overwhelming and very, um, like the, the traffic and the people, it, it feels every single uh, space in the city of Mumbai, you feel like you just got out of a, a Chiefs game or you just got out of a, tra- uh, a concert, you know, one of those concerts with millions of people and, and you just can't, there's no space to even elbow room and, 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 uh, and when you, you get in your car and you, you can't go anywhere. So er- everywhere in the whole city is like, is like that because most people are walking all over the city. The very few people have cars, but the ones who do still jam up the traffic with the, the lanes, the lanes of the street are so narrow. It's only, only wide enough for one car, you know. So when you go to the, the slums, you know, the discipleship part of the slums is the difficult part because, you know, Randy Foster's been over to see the beginning of the church. Randy Foster was there in the beginning and, and also he's taken many trips to help us in the, in the nurturing of these churches. But when you go into the slums, the people are very open to Jesus and they've come to Jesus. But then there's very few of them who really want to be a disciple, uh, partly because uh, they're working 60 hours a week. Can you imagine that? I'm sure there's some of you here, you can imagine that. You've done this, right? Have you ever worked 60 hours a week? And then you know how much to get paid? A lot of the people who go to our church are, sometimes they're taxi drivers, sometimes they're construction workers, 
uh, the ladies would be maids in the houses and there's different labor jobs that they have you know how much they average get paid about two hundred dollars every single month you know and they get a, a, a monthly salary of two hundred dollars and they gotta they have to make that two hundred dollars last the whole month you know and uh and so that they're just slaving away at their jobs and they it's hard to get them motivated to get on fire for what you call discipleship right about the word of god but this is what i do i I try to make it interesting to them and so the lessons that i'm teaching you tonight this is the same thing that i've been teaching in our churches in bombay india which is how to enjoy the book of psalms now next week i'm here part two i'm going to teach you how to enjoy the book of proverbs now most of you here tonight you already know the book of psalms and you know the book of proverbs but i'm going to give you something i promise i'm going to show you something tonight that you've never seen because every time you look into the word of god you see something new all right and it's good to hear from someone else who's studied the bible in a different way than you have and so i found seven ways to study the book of psalms and this is how i teach them in india and so the first way that I enjoy teaching the book of Psalms is who is the author? And we have King David. Now we don't know for sure how many Psalms David wrote. I wrote that he wrote 75 Psalms. That's half the book. But there's many other Psalms that he wrote that maybe it's not written. We can't prove that David wrote it, but he wrote much more than 75. I can tell you that, right? Now, I don't know if people in the very back row can read my handwriting. I tried to write it big with red so you could... I don't know. Some of you all have good eyesight. Amen. Uh, I have good eyesight far away, but I, when I'm reading, I need my glasses, you know. So you got King David wrote 75 Psalms. So this is a fun way to study the book of Psalms is you studied David's life. Now, how many of you have done this? When you read the Psalms and then you say, God, what was David going through when he wrote this Psalm? Because you know what I like about David? David had his highs and he had his lows. I mean, David took his highs sometimes too high and he took his lows too low. Anybody like that here in the audience today? I am like that. You know, before I got married, I was like that. And then Bethany kind of evened me out, you know. Like when I was a single bachelor, I would get excited about something. And the next day, uh, you know, I get low. I would get depressed. But the next day, I'd be excited. But the next day, I'd be depressed, you know. Is anybody like that? What's what's that condition called? Manic depressive? Right? Isn't there a psychological term for that? A manic. They're a manic and they're a depressive. What would you say, Ron? Do we care about the psychological? No, we don't care about the psychological term, you know. So, but see, I believe that David had that condition. And you know what? Praise God, David didn't take all that medicine because David was able to write his Psalms when he was exhilarating in God. And then David wrote his Psalms when he was depressed and complaining to God. Did y'all know that you can complain to God? Amen. Did y'all know you can't complain to nobody else? 
but God, right? Don't complain to... <laughs> because if you, if you complain to other people, they just may not want to hear it, right? But did you know that God wants to hear your complaints, amen? Did you know there's some things you can say to God you can't say to no one else, amen? Because nobody knows but Jesus what trouble you've seen, amen? So David had that relationship with God that when he was so depressed, at least he prayed his depression to God, amen? And you can read some of these depression psalms and you'll finish and you'll be excited because you'll you'll get the same deliverance that David get out of his depression. And so David has his depression psalms and he has his praise psalms. Other authors are, you have like Hezekiah. Hezekiah was told by God that he was going to die. And what did Hezekiah do when he was told? He prayed, he said, God, give me, um, I, did he ask for 15 more years? I think God said, I'm going to give you 15 more years. I can't remember if he asked for the number. He said, undertake for me. Undertake for me. There you go. That's, Ron knows the official account. <coughs> Excuse me. But you know what? God said, I'm giving you 15 years. And so Hezekiah, he got his praise team together because he was the king. And they wrote 15 psalms, which is Psalm 121 to Psalm 135. And they called it the Psalms of Degrees. So he just said, hey, listen, God gave me 15 more years. I'm going to praise him 15 psalms. And that, and we have that today. So, you know, that, that will help you to study it. If you open up the psalm, 121 to 134, you, you, oh, you know, now I know the background of this psalm. Like Hezekiah was given a second chance. And this is what he's writing about in those psalms. Um, what's the next one? i got to put it where I can see it too. Here, here we got Asaph. We got Asaph and then the sons of Korah. Asaph wrote uh, 12 psalms, Psalm 50, 72 through 82. Asaph was the praise leader for King David, and he had a, a great heritage. Um, then you had the sons of Korah. They wrote at least 10, maybe more than 10. You have Psalm 42, 44, all the 40s. And then 84, 85, 87. Now, who were the sons of Korah? Does anybody remember who the sons of Korah are? Now, you all, some of you all have been taught the book of Psalms before, right? Who were the sons of Korah? Raise your hand. Now, Ron knows. Of course, Ron. Yeah, of course, Ron. Who were they, Ron? Numbers chapter 16. Oh, Numbers chapter 16. Who was their daddy? Uh, Korah. Korah. Dathan and Abiram were sons of Reuben, and they rebelled again. Uh-huh. They were swallowed up. They, they were swallowed up. You know, they complained about something new to munch, and God had the earth up and swallowed them for lunch. So you have Korah rebelling against Moses and rebelling against God, right? So you would think that some evil man like Korah, what would his children be like? Probably huh? Probably evil, right? <laughs> but guess what? Isn't that good news? Isn't it good when you see in the Bible that people can change, amen? That you are not stuck in your parents' sin, amen? 
You don't have to repeat the cycle of what your father did. You can get set free. And the sons of Korah, now this is many generations later after Korah, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, they're all praising God. They have a heritage of praising the Lord. So that's good news, sons of Korah, right? So that'll help you get excited the next time you read Psalm 42, right? Or Psalm 44, or in the 40s and the 80s, right? Then you have a couple of guys, there's a guy named Haman, uh, Psalm 88, a guy named Ethan, Psalm 89, and then you got a couple of guys named, uh, you ever heard of Solomon before? Now, and then Moses. Now, I forgot the Psalms that they wrote. I wrote that Solomon wrote two Psalms and then Moses wrote one Psalm. And we'll, after class is finished, you all can come up and tell me which ones they are, okay? But you know, Solomon and Moses wrote Psalms and somehow David and his praise team collected these, the ancient Psalms that they wrote. So, um, we're gonna, when we finish the class tonight, we're gonna go back to one of, one particular psalm of this author that we're gonna finish with, and we're gonna dig into, uh, a chapter, and we're gonna dig into a psalm and dig what's in there. But see, next we have, um, a good way to study the psalms is, what type of psalm is it? Is it a, a history psalm? Is it an imprecatory psalm? Is it a, Repentance psalm, because the the historical psalms, that means it's just written about history, and they're singing a song about history. That's Psalm chapter 78, uh, 105, 106, 135, 136. So the best way to learn about history is to sing a song. Sing a song about history. But then what are the imprecatory psalms? There's 21 psalms, at least 21, maybe more, that are these imprecatory, which means somewhere in the psalm, the writer of the psalm wants God to judge his enemies. And he he has this anger. And he has this judgment. And he has this this desire for justice and revenge. Right? And so he pours out his desire for revenge on his enemies in a prayer so that's why it's called imprecatory judgment right now when i read these today because we live in the new testament i love to change these prayers because see today jesus christ taught us what should we do with our enemies we should forgive our enemy. We should pray for our enemies. We should bless those who persecute us. We should, you know, pray for those who abuse us. We should forgive people, right? We should forgive our enemies. But see, in the Psalms, they didn't know that, amen? <laughs> like Jesus Christ had not come to tell you to love your enemies. So they were hating on their enemies. And they were praying hatred on their enemies in the book of Psalms. So what I like to do is when I'm reading the imprecatory psalms, I say, Lord Jesus, thank you that whatever these enemies are doing in these psalms, you took that on the cross and you became the enemy on the cross. You know, Jesus became the thief on the cross. Jesus became the sinner. Jesus died a sinful, a sinner's death, even though he was not sinful himself. So Jesus took all the revenge that should come on the enemies of God. It came on Jesus Christ. Because there's a verse in Colossians. It's Colossians chapter 1 verse 21. 
You know what it says? Colossians 1.21 says, You were an enemy of God before you knew Jesus Christ. Amen? Did you know that about yourself? Did you know that when you were a little boy or a little girl, and you did not know Jesus Christ, that's what happened to me. I rejected Jesus. When I was a young boy, there was Christians in my school. I was up in Wyandotte County, where most of the sinners are up there in Kansas City, Kansas, you know, where I'm from. And in Kansas City, Kansas, there was actually Christians there who came and told me about Jesus. And I said, that's for you, that is not for me. And I was so arrogant as a little kid. You ever met a kid who's really arrogant? That's who I was, right? And I rejected Jesus Christ. You know who I was? I was an enemy to God. I was I was the enemy that Jesus loved and Jesus died for his enemy. That's me. And that was you also. <laughs> so we were all enemies of God and Jesus forgave us. So every time we read the imprecatory Psalms, you can turn that prayer to the cross of Jesus and say, the cross of Jesus has fulfilled this judgment that the enemy deserves. That's how I love to pray. But there's one more way you can turn the prayer. Now here's a good way to pray it, right? You're reading the Psalms and it's saying, God, judge my enemy. Send him to hell. May he be cursed. You know those wonderful verses that you read, right? And it, and you read, you're reading the verse, you're saying, God, how can I apply this verse to my life? You know, I have a neighbor that's been giving me problems. Do you want me to apply this verse to my neighbor? Right? And you know what God will tell you? Apply that verse to Satan. Amen? Did you know that the devil is the only being in the universe that you have the right to be angry with him permanently? Right? Now... Uh, we're going to talk about anger in a minute. There's certain medicine for anger in, in the Bible, right? But did you know that one of the reasons why God invented anger as an emotion is so you should get angry at Satan, amen? And some of you here tonight are not angry enough at Satan, amen? Right? Some of you are tolerating what Satan is doing, and you are not angry enough. You ever heard that before? You ever heard some preachers say, get angry more? Right? Say, oh, dearly beloved, let us deal with our anger. Let us try to give our anger to the Lord. And God says, take that anger and direct it where it should be directed, to that Satan devil who is trying to attack you every day. You should hate him. Amen? I hate the devil. Don't you hate the devil? You know, one day we're going to see Jesus take Satan, and he's going to, you think he's going to say, devil, go to hell. No, he's going to cast him into what? The lake of... And do you think we're going to have a cheering section? Huh? Ron's going to cheer. Amen? That devil gave me problems all my life, and Ron's going to be saying, hallelujah, he is gone. You know, and we should hate the devil even right now. We should be so angry at what the devil is doing in Cass County. Now, you know, I don't think the devil has actually traveled to Cass County, but he sends his uh, representatives, doesn't he? (laughs) So Satan has a lot of evil demon spirits, and you can hate them too, can't you? You can hate them, and don't be scared of them. Now, you can respect the fact that they have power. And if they tempt you to sin, they can really hurt your life, right? But you know what? You can stand before an evil spirit and say, Thus saith the Lord, you can say, In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. 
the, the Lord rebuke you. The book of Jude says the Lord rebuke you, right? So we don't rebuke the devil, but we say the Lord rebuke you and Jesus rebuke you, right? In the name of Jesus, we can hate those demons and we can have anger towards those demons. How many people want to get angry at the devil tonight? Amen? Huh? <laughs> and use those imprecatory psalms against Satan and against those demon spirits. Amen? Y'all need to get more angry. You know, some people in America are not angry enough. Isn't that true? So, you know what's wrong with some people in America? They're just tolerating stuff, aren't they? They're just letting things happen and they're, they are not angry. We should be angry, right? Well, God said I shouldn't be angry. No, get angry. Now, there's a verse in Ephesians that says what? Be angry, but sin not. And don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. And and then the context, the next verse says, be kind-hearted and forgiving towards one another. So in relationships with people, don't let the sun go down on your your revenge wrath ideas and you should just forgive people right but you should be angry at the devil from the morning till the night and even when you sleep you'll see the devil in your dreams and you should get angry at him there you know sometimes we'll have bad dreams and demons will be messing with you in your dreams and you should hate the devil right there in your dream in the name of jesus rebuke satan in your dreams so get the hatred and the anger out on Satan and on sin. Get angry at sin. Get angry at, but don't get angry at people. Amen. Did you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, Father, forgive them because of what? They know not what they do. Did you know that people don't know what they're doing when they're, when they're sinning? You know? I mean, some people are way too much into conspiracy theories and they think, you know what? I bet you that these people conspired to do this and you know what? I have no idea what's going on, but I don't give them much credit though. I don't, don't give people too much credit. Amen. The only people who've been really conspiring are Satan and his demons, right? Did you know Satan and his demons had a meeting one day, like right before the time of COVID, right? And Satan and his demons said, hey, let's do something in the earth to just, and let's get all kinds of problems on the earth. What about a, you know, some kind of disease or whatever, you know? And, and one demon stood up and said, I got an idea, right? See, let's get angry at the demons, who, but don't get angry at the people, right? I mean... Say, dear Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, you know. Every, every time you watch the news, you can say that, right? You watch the news and you say, oh, I can't believe what those people are doing. Oh, Lord, it's the devil that did that. And so, but Lord, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Amen. So you can forgive people, especially if you, if you know that they're ignorant people. <laughs> they're just ignorant, you know. Okay, now what's next? We have uh, the repentance. There's there's seven repentance psalms. Now, I know for a fact that everyone in here, in your life, there's going to come a certain day in your life where you're going to need to repent. I mean, maybe just one time. I don't know how, how many. I mean, maybe more than once. You might have to repent of maybe you do something wrong. And when you repent, you should practice saying, I'm sorry, forgive me, right? I was wrong. You ever, you say that to each other sometimes? I'm sorry, forgive me, I was wrong, right? That's repentance, right? And did you know that God gave you seven Psalms 
give you words to repent with, right? So next time that you do something wrong and you say, God, I really need to repent, but I don't know what to say. God says, we'll open up to all seven of these songs. What are they? They are chapter 6, chapter 32, chapter 38, chapter 51, 102, 130, and 143. Alright? Now, especially when David sinned in Psalm 51. What did David say in repentance in Psalm 51? He says, God, against you and against you only have I sinned. Did you know that that's the key for repentance is everything you did, you did against God. Right? Like if, if I spoke bad to my wife, I should repent to my wife and say, you know, wife, please forgive me. I spoke bad to you. But did you know that when I spoke bad to my wife, that she's in the image of God, she's a daughter of God. You know who was offended when I offended my wife? God was offended. Amen. So every sin that I do to my wife, I did it to God also, didn't I? Isn't that the key to repentance? Real, have, have anybody here tonight, have you realized that everything you do wrong, you do it to God? And did you know that God's the only one that's going to just forgive you? Uh, like he, he's ready to forgive you? Because he, he already had, I mean, he already did pay for it. He's like ready to hear your confession. But did you know that there's a lot of people who won't forgive you? Oh man, because the people who will not forgive you, they don't know the heart of God, right? So don't let people bother you if they won't forgive you. Sometimes I let that bother, sometimes I remember things that I did and I think, oh man, those people still don't want to talk to me, you know? But you know what? God wants to talk to me. God forgave me and I asked their forgiveness and they're refusing to forgive me. But that's their problem. If they refuse to forgive me, that's their problem. Because God told them to forgive. Right? And I'm forgiving myself. Right? Isn't it hard to forgive yourself? That's the hardest person to forgive, right? Especially if you're a perfectionist. Amen? How many people here are perfectionists? (laughs) I have to do everything perfect. And you know, it's the perfect people that mess up all the time, isn't it? (laughs) But when the perfect people mess up, they can't forgive themselves. They go, oh, I can't believe I did that. I was, oh, why did I do that? You know? And they start beating themselves up. And what did Jesus say? Forgive. Forgive yourself. Right? And believe that Jesus is going to forgive, it does forgive you. Amen? So that's the repentance Psalms, right? Now there's other ways to study the Psalms that makes it fun. One is Hebrew poetry, but we ain't got time for that tonight. Actually, that's kind of boring anyways. Is that, okay, if you know it better, you can teach it next time. Is, you know how to do Hebrew poetry? I know some of Hebrew poetry. It's exciting if somebody really knows it, but if you don't really know it, you know, it's kind of like computers. If you don't know it, you know, it's like. <laughs> so, but then what about this? Sing new songs from the words of the psalm. That's a way to enjoy. See, this is something that Ron is doing, right? Writing new songs. From You open up the book of Psalms and you can write some new songs. Amen? Everyone should do that. And then number six, pray the psalm back to God. Did you know that sometimes your prayer life is boring and that's why you don't pray? Amen? Sometimes there are some people in this room, including me, I am the number one chief uh, suspect of this problem. The reason why I don't pray is because I always pray the same thing every time. I'm a boring person. You can just ask my wife. 
I'm born, you know, I'll say, dear Lord, bless the food. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, our Father, for the hands that made this food, you know. <laughs> Saying the same phrases, right? And sometimes my prayers are boring. And you know what? When your prayers are boring, sometimes you just don't pray, right? You say, I'm just not, I'm just going to skip prayer today because I'm bored half to death with myself. So God says, you know what? If you are bored, why not pray my word, amen? Because the word is never boring, right? And so if you get any of 150 Psalms and you say, God, you, you, you breathed every single word in this book was breathed by God. So there's nothing boring about it, amen? I mean, I'm breathing a lot of words myself that are kind of boring myself, right? But if I take God's word, I say, God, today I'm going to pray the words that you put in this book. I'm going to speak it and I'm going to say it back to you, God. And that will be exciting, won't it? Then my heart's going to start burning. You remember when, when Jesus was teaching the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? And they said, our hearts started burning when Jesus was speaking that word. Amen. So you can have a burning heart towards the words in the Bible if you pray the Bible back to God. Amen. But the final way, I'm going to finish our class with these. My favorite way to study the book of Psalms is spiritual medicine. And tonight, I want everyone here tonight to make it a goal. I want you to have an ambition. You should have an ambition to be a spiritual pharmacist. Amen? Huh? How many of you, you love to go to the pharmacy? No. <laughs> but when you go to the pharmacy, have you noticed that every pharmacist has studied for how many years? They get more than a bachelor degree, don't they? They get a master's degree. They have, to, they have to study the same medicine as the doctors. And they have to study in Greek and Latin and all this stuff. and The same as a doctor, right? And so they know exactly what medicine is going to fix what problem, amen? Did you know that every emotional problem that you will have is in the book of Psalms somewhere? Did you know that every psychological problem that you will have is in the book of Psalms somewhere? But you know what the problem is? You haven't studied it. You, you can become a pharmacist if you would search it out and say, God, every day I'm going to read Psalm 1, Psalm 2, Psalm 3, all the way to Psalm 150. And I'm going to ask two questions every time I read a psalm. I'm going to say, God, in this psalm, what is the author's psychological problem? What is the author's emotional problem? What are they dealing with? What is the basic issue in this psalm that they're problem that they're dealing with and i'm going to label that and you know most of you in this church you have a wide margin bible right so you can take notes in your bible isn't that good we love it when we put notes so what i do in my bible is i mark in my wide margin oh psalm chapter one the writer is dealing with bad friends He's got a bunch of horrible friends in his life, and having horrible friends gives you emotional problems, and you become a scorn, scorner, right? Remember Psalm 1? He said, I should not stand in the seat of the scorner. Uh, how does it go? Don't walk in the way of the sinner. Don't, don't stand in the way of the the ungodly, and then don't sit in the seat of the scornful. There it is. So did you know that Psalm chapter 1 is dealing with the emotional baggage of scorn? How many of you have met somebody in your life 
who has a scorner spirit, like they're cynical. Or what are those other words? Like they're always telling jokes or saying negative things, right? Like, eh, that'll never work. Oh, you're going to India? You'll probably die. You're going to get a disease, you know? Like they just scorn, right? Some people live, you know, uh, I have certain family members, not around here, they don't live around here, and you all don't know them, but they're teenagers, and they're very scornful. They're they're scornful teenagers. And I don't know what it is about, there's a certain age where people love to just become scornful in their teenage years, you know? And I've dealt with that in my family members. Scornful teenagers. (laughs) But you know what happens to scornful teenagers? Later they grow up and they become scornful old age folks in their 70s, you know? And they, they, they end up, you know, have you ever met that old person who's scornful? And they got, they got that, you know, like they drink prune juice every day and they go all the, you know, that, uh, you know. <laughs> and there's, now how do they become a scorner? That's an emotional problem, amen? But what's the medicine for the scorn? In Psalm chapter 1, if you would memorize Psalm chapter 1, there's medicine in there for the scorner. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Read off what I've listed here in our notes. If you can't read it in the back, let me just tell you this. The medicine, if you, if you feel betrayed by a friend, I wrote it here, betrayal. Oh, I have a friend. You know what my friend did? They spoke bad about me. My friend betrayed me. Psalm chapter what? 55. That's the medicine. If you have an emotional problem of feeling Betrayed. Hmm? Now, that psalm, <coughs> excuse me, it's a prophecy of Judas Iscariot, amen? When Judas betrayed Jesus Christ, and this is Jesus' own thoughts about Judas. And it's also David's thoughts about Ahithophel. That when King David was betrayed, one of David's friends, his name was Ahithophel, and he was a counselor, and he counseled against David. And, and David said, oh, I could take it if my enemy attacked me, but my own friend attacked me. It was you, my beloved, my friend. Oh God, my friend betrayed me. And he prays it to God, right? And then there's medicine. If you would read Psalm 55, there's tons of medicine for when you feel betrayed. Amen. What about if you feel insignificant? If you feel like I'm not important, like Pastor Brian Hedges is important, but I'm not important. I'm nobody, right? And then you read Psalm chapter what? Eight. Psalm chapter eight is medicine for those who feel insignificance. What about worry? Read Psalm 37 for worry. What if you have trauma? Psalm 77 was written by somebody going through some deep trauma. What if you're having anger? I put Psalm 5 and every other psalm with the imprecatory, the psalms about judgment and revenge. They're all uh, anger psalms. How to deal with your anger. Depression. Psalm 42 heals your depression. It teaches you how to get out of your depression. If you'd read Psalm 42, amen? 
So I hope you're taking notes because this is medicine you all need to take home and you can take the pill at home, okay? I'm just giving you the pills right now. You're responsible to take them. Take two at night with, with a meal and then two in the morning. Fast, do fasting in the morning, okay? Uh, intermittent fasting, amen? Okay. Now what about if you got family problems? Psalm 27 is written for people with what? I got problems with my family. Well, how about, here's a pill. Take a pill. (laughs) Take a pill and get over it. (laughs) Psalm 27. What about jealousy? Oh, I'm just jealous. I got a lot of envy. Psalm uh, 73. What if you're old? What if you have emotional oldness? <laughs> some, you know, some people are old physically, but they're young emotionally. Amen. And they're young at heart. But the old age you have Psalm 71 and uh, 90 and 92, right? For the old people. So is there any old people here tonight? No, I don't see any. Okay. Um, expectate. So every time you say, you know, I expected this, but it didn't happen, right? I'm expecting that this will happen to me, but it's not. Ha- it's, it's, I'm expecting that I'll get uh, the top level grades in my class, you know, and then you get a B. Right? <laughs> so, if you have the wrong expectations, you gotta read Psalm chapter what? It says 62 for expectations, right? Now what about, uh, shut in? I'm gonna finish with this, this is my last one. If you've been shut in, Psalm 88 and 102, yeah, I'm gonna finish with this. Okay, everybody open up your Bible to Psalm 88. Because finally, let's, we can actually read a psalm and we can get God's deliverance through this psalm. Now, the reason why I picked Psalm 88 is this is the worst psalm in the whole book. <laughs> I mean, this is the worst, man. Alright? Because, did you know something? Every psalm in the Bible has a medicine. But did you know that there's one psalm, God preserved one psalm that has no medicine, and it's Psalm 88. i got to get my glasses to read it. All right, now Psalm 88, it says, it's written by Haman the Ezraite. And he says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried uh, day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thy ear unto my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws nigh unto the grave. I am counted uh, with them that go down to the pit. I am as a man that has no strength. Free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. They are cut off from thy hand. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit in darkness and in deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Selah. Thou hast put mine acquaintance far from me. Thou hast made me an abomination unto them. I am, I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. My eye mourns by reason of my affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. Uh, I've stretched my hands unto thee. Uh, will you show your wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee, Selah? Shall the loving kindness be declared in the grave? 
or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark, thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer prevent thee. Lord, why do you, why cast you off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I am afflicted. I'm ready to die from my youth up. But while I suffer thy terrors, or I am distracted, the fierce wrath goes over me. The terrors have cut me off. They came round about me daily like water. They have compassed me about together. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me and my acquaintance into darkness. Amen. <laughs> now imagine this. His whole prayer is, God... I don't have any friends. Amen. That's it, right? Like he feels lonely. Now, why would God allow this prayer in the Bible? I mean, every other prayer ends in victory. Did you notice that? Every other psalm, it goes like this. Lord, I have so many troubles and my sins are so numbered. But thou, O Lord, art faithful to forgive me. Thy mercy is everlasting. I will praise you in the highest. Amen. But not this time, right? This time, the psalmist, he starts off with saying, God, you you saved me. You're the God of my salvation. But ever since I got saved, my life has sucked. (laughs) Right? And my life is so bad, I don't have any friends. And God, why? And then he stops praying. Now, why would God allow that, inspire that in the Bible? Huh? Did you know that God is speaking to us tonight? That God will take a prayer like that. God will accept your prayer when you pray like that. And the reason why God put that in the Bible is because God knows many people will have a time in their life where they have to pray just like that. And if you would be honest with us tonight, you don't have to tell us. But there might have been a time in your life where you prayed exactly like this. Right? Where everything was going wrong in your life. And you lost something. Or some damage that you did yourself. Or something happened to you and it was not fair. And you complained to God. And you were sick and no one was visiting you. You were home and you couldn't get out of the house. Or you were in jail. I could imagine a prisoner in jail praying this prayer. Get me out of this jail. And God says, I'm not getting you out of this jail. Right? And they're complaining to God. Did you know that God will take that complaint? And God will be patient with you. And God will be gracious with you. And and you know what God will say? I know just how you feel. Right? Because Jesus will say, I felt the same way. And Jesus will say to you, did you know what I prayed? Hey, you think Psalm 88 is bad? Guess what I prayed? My God, why have you forsaken me? Right? That's what Jesus said to his own daddy. (laughs) What did Jesus say to his own daddy? Why did you forsake me? And he didn't follow it up with, but you, O Lord. Right? No, he just said, why? As soon as Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Immediately what happened? The sun went black. And then all the Pharisees were sitting around saying, was he calling on Elijah? Because he said, Eli, Eli, you know, the way he was speaking in the Aramaic or whatever. They couldn't tell what he was saying. So did he just call on Elijah? And nobody could understand what he was saying. So Jesus was all alone. Jesus' 12 disciples, where did they go? Peter said, I don't know you. Right? 
James and Matthew and all these guys and the chosen, they're all gone, you know. <laughs> so all of his disciples, all of his best friends are gone. And uh, Jesus is all alone and even his father forsakes him. Why? Because your dirty sin was put on Jesus at that moment. And the Father God can't look at your dirty sin. But Jesus can take it. And he can die. And he can take that punishment. And then he can forgive you. And he can... You know what Jesus did with your dirty sin? Then he buried it in the depths of the sea. And no more fishing. Amen? Like he buried your sins right there. And then he carried... Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he just... Freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Not as good as casting crowns. We're doing that. But you know what? He buried your sin on the cross. And he prayed a prayer worse than Psalm 88. So when you pray a prayer, you say, God, I don't have any friends that are, nobody's calling me on the phone. Nobody sends me a Facebook message. Everybody forgot me, you know. And you know what? You're going to, Jesus is going to say, I know exactly how you feel. And I will take that prayer. And it's just like Job. I'm going to finish with this. When Job lost everything, what did Job say? Job said, I will not curse God. Now, what does his wife tell him to do? His wife said, curse God and die. Right? And and Job said, oh wife, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. I will not curse God because blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, right? Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Job never cursed God. But you know what he did? He cursed himself, didn't he? In the next chapter, Job said, Oh God, why didn't you just kill me from my youth? Like, God, I wish you would just let me die right now. And God, get get out of my face. I'm tired of you, God. Right? He said, God, why are you doing this to me? God, you better show up right now and tell me why this is happening. And then Job's friend come, right? And Job's friends say, hey, for seven days, we're going to give you silence. But after that, we're going to let you have it. And so Job's friend says, I know why this is happening to you. You're, you're so bad. You have some secret. And, but this is not true. Job had no secrets. Job was not doing bad stuff. Job was walking with God as best he could. And Job said, I'm complaining to God. And did you know for 30, 35 chapters, Job is never cursing God, but Job is complaining to God. Did you know that? He's complaining. What? He's saying, God, you better tell me what's going on. You had better give me an answer. And I, I don't like this at all, God. I'm complaining, God. This is horrible. I don't, I'm not enjoying this, God. Why did this happen, God? So he's telling God words like that, right? Now, at the end of the story of the book of Job, God finally shows up, right? And... Now, does God answer Job's questions? No. Right? No. But instead, God says, Job, sit down. I have some questions for you. Where were you? Uh, like, when I made the earth, were you there? Right? Now, Job, can you make lightning go from here to there? Right? Now, can you stop behemoth? And can you stop? And, and God says, can you cause the water to stop right at the right part of the beach? Right? You know? And he's like saying, Job, can you do any of these things? Were you there? And Job says, I repent. Like, I have no answer. 
And so God never tells Job why he's going through the bad trial, right? In the same way that this guy in Psalm 88, God never speaks to this psalmist and says, okay, you don't have any friends, you're shut in, you're sick. Okay, and you know what God does? He says, I'll listen to you and I'll be with you. But he'll never say, okay, here is why it's happening. He never says that, right? But what happens at the end? Job finally gets right with God and says, okay, God, I repent. I'm not going to complain anymore. And then God says, Job, your three friends over there, I want you to pray for them. Because your three friends, what they said was dishonoring to me. It was not correct. Because they were they were speaking about how I was judging you because of your secret sins. But that was not true, right? At the end of the book of Job. So Job, let me read you the key verse. In Job 42 verse uh, 10. Job 42 verse 10. It says, the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Amen. And then Job got twice as much as he had before. Because in in chapter 42 of Job, uh, God says... uh, in verse 7, in Job 42, verse 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job has. Now wait a second. Now I, I might want to misunderstand this verse, because God just said... That the three friends spoke wrong about God, but Job spoke correct about God. But there are many times where Job spoke incorrectly. Like he said, God, why didn't you just kill me from my youth, right? Like that's, you shouldn't say that. That's an incorrect thing to say. But God says, I heard that prayer. He heard the pain of Job, and he accepted that painful complaint. But you know what God did not accept? The sermons of the three friends. Because did you know what the three friends did? Uh, Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar. You know what those three friends did not do? They did not pray. They, They came to Job. They said, hey, Job, I got your counsel. Guess what? Boom. And the others said, no, no, I got your, I got a sermon for you. Ba-boom, ba-boom. And they started attacking Job with three sermons. But did you know that the Job's three friends were never speaking to God, they were speaking to Job. Did you know what Job did? He said, you all my friends, you're not giving me any helpful counsel. I'm talking to God. And as you read what Job is saying, he's not talking so much to his friends. He's talking to who? He's saying, God, I'm just talking to you, God. You got to tell me what it, why is this happening? And so did you know something about God? God does not want you to say negative things to people. He wants you to say negative things to him. <laughs> right? If you got anything negative in you right now, 
tell God. And God is the best listener in the whole world. Did you know that there's some things you can never tell people? And if you try to tell people, they're not going to take it right, are they? You know, you know, there's some things that are hurting inside of your heart that you can never tell. If you try to tell a human being, they would say, huh, I didn't know you felt like that. Right? Like if I told certain people, oh, you know, I'm really struggling with, I have like some struggles today. They'd say, well, you're a missionary. You're a missionary to India. I didn't, you got struggles? I'm gonna start, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna support you anymore, you know? And it's like, a missionary shouldn't have any struggles. You know who I can tell my struggles to? I can tell them that God's not shocked about that. God says, yeah, I know you got some struggles. And God will rebuke, every day God rebukes me and says, just get this right, you know. Change that, God says, change this. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to give you uh, more strength for the next the next go around, you know. I, God says, I know you're struggling. Don't quit, right? You ever heard God say, don't quit? God will say that to you. Don't quit because I am with you and I know your pain and you can tell me your pain and I will not reject you. You you can't tell some secret that you say, oh God, but you don't know. I've been having trouble. I've been doubting. Oh, God would say, you've been doubting? Let me rewrite the eternal security lesson. God says, I know you've been doubting and I'm still going to give you grace. Now get up and try again, you know. So God has the most gracious way of listening to you that human beings just can't do that, right? Human beings cannot listen to you. (laughs) But God can listen to you, amen. So start using Jesus as your counselor, amen. Because you might get disappointed if you go to a human counselor sometimes. But Jesus is the best counselor. And in the book of Psalms, we're reading that. That in the Psalms, he's pouring out his his heart and his broken heart to God. And God is listening. And it makes it exciting to study if you get to categorizing it. And so this is your assignment, okay, for next week. Because next week when I come, next Wednesday, we're going to go through the whole book of Proverbs in one night. We're going to go through all 31 chapters of Proverbs. Now, what I'm going to do next week is I'm going to give you categories of Proverbs that make it exciting to study the book of Proverbs. So we're going to get through But you know what your assignment is? Between now and next Wednesday, I want you to read all 150 Psalms. No. <laughs> and when you read 150 Psalms, then write down what is the psychological problem and then what is the medicine? What is the spiritual medicine? And then you will be a spiritual pharmacist. And you can open up a pharmacy called the the Rex Pharmacy, or you can call it the the Randy Foster Pharmacy. Or we're, we we need to get Mark Lockwood and get him in the pharmacy, right? We can do the Mark Lockwood Pharmacy and the Jeff. We can call it the Trude Pharmacy of Spiritual Health, and everyone in Belton would be like lining up. For the because it's a free pharmacy, right, Jeff? I mean, if if you all study the, the all the pharmacy spiritual medicines in the Psalms, are you going to start charging people? Or are you going to give it away for free? Amen. Give give that medicine away for free. Amen. So let's pray. Let's be dismissed.
And now my wife and I would love to talk to you about our mission in India. So stay back and we can tell you some stories if you get some time. And we'll tell more stories next week and maybe show you some pictures. And we'll be with you, of course. Even there's a Sunday in August I'll be here to show some, some more pictures of our mission in India. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the book of Psalms. Lord, we just ask for the medicine. We we want to dig deep into every chapter and find all the different medicines that you put there so that we can overcome and have victory. Even in our darkest times, we can find the treasure of your medicines in the book of Psalms and so that we can help others, so that we can be a good counselor to others. We want to be a good friend to other people. So help everyone here today to be as good a friend as Jesus Christ is to us. That Jesus, you are a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. But Lord, help us now when we go out that we have friends and we have family and they need us to listen to them and to give them the proper spiritual medicine just like you would do it. So we want to be a friend to people just like Jesus is a friend to people. So make us that type of friend. And then you'll give us friends too, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Amen. Sure, man.